0: This is Shifting Our Schools episode 106, Building a School Culture Starts with Leadership.
1: And I think that that does a couple different things. It allows you to create this wish list of things and really dream, but it also changes the mindset of the people that you work with too. Because if you're really approaching things from the perspective of why not, then you start to ask that all the time. And you start to ask like, why can't I do graphing um, or analysis of, of voting with young fives. Yeah. Why not?
0: Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Utick. Well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. And the first episode of the 2020 year. Happy New Year to you all, and I hope you had a wonderful winter break. Of course, here in Seattle, break gets over and the storms start rolling in. We've been dealing with 30 mile an hour winds over the past 48 hours as students have gone back to school this week. Uh, And the storms are supposed to pass in the next few days, just in time for us to get our first Arctic blast of the season here in the Pacific Northwest, which means there's now snow in the forecast. And I'm working with some school districts next week. And all of a sudden, the emails are coming through that, well, in case of a snow day, so we're already preparing for our first snow here in the Northwest, but I uh, hope your new year is off to a great start. For those of you who have listened to our episodes last month, remember we were giving away Flipgrid stickers to those who left Flipgrid responses to our podcast questions every week. We put those names in a hat, and I'm excited to tell you that Teresa from Pennsylvania was our winner. Congratulations, Teresa. If you wouldn't mind filling out the contact form on the sospodcast.org website and send me your address, I'll get those stickers off to to you in the next few weeks. Along with those magnets, they're pretty cool. Appreciate you stopping by and leaving us a Flipgrid response. And once again, congratulations, Teresa. Now, we wanted to start 2020 off with a bang, so we're going to run this next giveaway starting with this episode, and running until the end of February. So we're gonna do two months for this prize because this prize is pretty cool. And we're giving away a Flipgrid pop-up tent to one lucky winner so you have to kind of imagine this you're gonna to have to listen in the podcast for the next two months i'm going to uh be talking about this a lot. it's pretty cool It's basically a tent that you set up in your classroom that kids can go and record in. It's actually a recording tent, but it folds up into a nice little packet. You can put it away and only get it out when you need it. I'm going to have a video of exactly what does it look like, and I'm not going to take it out of its uh, case because I want it to be new for you. It's brand new. I got this from Flipgrid, and um, I want to give it away to some teacher who or a coach that wants to use it with kids in your school. This thing is pretty cool. And so we're going to be doing this for the next two months, so for the month of January and February. Anytime that you leave a Flipgrid response to one of our... Uh, questions in our podcast over on our Flipgrid, you will be entered to win this really cool tent. And again, you can go over there, and I've got to, I'll have a video there for you that you can actually see what this thing looks like. It's pretty sweet. It's made for one student, can go in at a time. They can close it, record, do their little recording. The other cool thing I just found out, and I was looking at it, I hadn't had got it out for a while. It's actually green color. So I'm wondering if it'll also act as almost like a green screen to do some green screen stuff in your classroom with something like WeVideo or another video project as well. It's pretty sweet. Uh, But you'll see more about that over at our Flipgrid. So how do you enter to win, you ask? Well, it's pretty simple. To enter your name to win, there are two really easy ways to do it. So first, you can head over to sospodcast.org, that's our website, and at the top, click on the link flipgrid that will take you to our flipgrid topic where you can leave your answer to this episode or any of the episodes between now and the end of February every single time you leave a response to our questions you're entered to win so there's going to be something like seven or eight episodes and you'll probably that you could be entered to win your name could be in the bucket seven or eight times so that's all you have to do or if you don't want to do it through your Uh, computer you can actually download the flipgrid app to your phone and when you enter the code it'll ask for a code enter the code sos podcast and you'll be taken right to our grid where you can start up your camera uh, and answer the questions from the podcast so if you happen to be listening to us while you're running or you're driving and you finish your run for the day or you finish driving grab your phone leave us the response to the question right there as well also we're always asking to see your classroom you know feel feel free to take us on a, a journey of your classroom or a day in your school we love hearing from each other we're trying to build a community here and we all learn from each other that's what this is all about so each week we ask you a question based on that week's podcast and all you have to do is give us your thoughts on the podcast and the questions and you're entered to win the more questions you answer, the more times your name goes into the pot to whip this to win this really cool flip grid pop-up tent for your classroom or school. This week's podcast, we talk about the importance of leadership in schools and leaders driving the mindset with teachers in their building. Such a great episode. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. So this week, here's our question. What do you do as a leader in your school? Or that you have had leaders do that help to set the right mindset for teachers in their school. One of the things we know is being a leader in a school is helping teachers have a mindset. And you're going to hear a lot about that in today's podcast. So that's our question this week. What do you do as a leader in your school or that you have had leaders do that help to set the right mindset for teachers in your school moving forward? And you're going to hear a lot in today's podcast about that. So head over to our website or to uh, Flipgrid and leave your response after you listen to today's episode to our question and enter to win this really cool Flipgrid pop-up tent. This week, Chris Butler and I chat with Angel Mensing, an elementary school principal from Michigan who is reopening a school and talks about the mindset she helps to develop with her teachers and supporting them in doing the work with students. A wonderful conversation with a talented and focused school leader, and with that, hope your new year is off to a great start. And on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. Uh, so excited to be joined uh, by once again with Chris, and we have Angel on the line this evening. So it's going to be a fantastic conversation. Chris, how are you doing? We'll get the uh, the Chris Butler update, <laughs> uh, which is how we usually start these podcasts these days. So
2: uh, yeah doing doing well doing well 24 hours in the life of chris butler right <laughs> yeah that's um, right <laughs> so yesterday last after school i did a i had a pd session set up for teachers and we had a small group of about four or five teachers that had signed up originally um And it was all wrapped around the idea of using technology to see, to gauge student learning, to see where they're at, use it for formative assessment and to guide instruction from there and that sort of thing. So we were going to explore three different tools. Um, Unfortunately, only had one teacher show up, but, we've had this conversation before one's yep. better than none. Right. That's right. That's right. One's, one's better than none. And she was stoked. She was oh, just good. loving all the things we were talking about. And she's like, I'm going to take this and use it tomorrow in class. And I'm just like, oh, awesome. Fantastic. Not. So awesome. got to do that. And then today spent time with the, one of the admin at the high school um, working on our plan for, we have a PD three day uh, tech PD session set up um, for when we get back after holiday break. And, um, and so we were talking about that and it's really cool because we kind of have the same mindset the way that our district is right now it feels like everything is kind of its own separate box Mm, and we're I'm like I'm really trying to streamline things like tech doesn't need to be a separate piece like all these things fit together Um, so we talked about how we could marry if you will the um, idea of our sheltered learning instructional walks with technology walks oh, How cool. can those fit together so we kind of worked on that plan a little bit so
0: it was oh, good very
3: cool yeah well
0: that's a that's it's always good when you're it's a good always a, yeah. a good day yeah <laughs> right all right um and we are joined this evening because we are recording this at night no matter what time you're listening to this uh, we're joined by angel who uh, makes her home in michigan so this is fantastic angel yeah. welcome to the podcast
1: yeah greetings from the mitten <laughs>
0: yeah, from the mitten. I like love it. it. <laughs> uh go ahead and uh, if you will just kind of uh talk to the listeners a little bit about kind of your journey into education, how you got started and kind of where you are today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um it's it's been really fun to kind of think about that journey in education. Um and it is shocking to me to be able to say that it's about two decades long, which wow. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> um but it is. So, yeah. Um, but I think one of the coolest things, one of the most vivid memories I have as a kid. And I remember I was in the eighth grade and I walked out of my bedroom and I said to my mom, I'm going to be a teacher. And she looked at me like, Oh, okay. you know, I came Out of nowhere, like <laughs> who waltzes out of the room and says that, but. Um, and so I, I have that clear memory of that. Mm -hmm. And I think about the reasons why that is such an important part of my life. And it's because other people poured into me, Mm -hmm. um, in a way that I hope to be able to, you know, do with my students and my staff and just basically anybody I, you know, kind of run into in this, this awesome, um, you know, profession seems like such a eh, way to say it. Like it's so much more than that. Right. So, um, and so you know, I, I think about that as far back as middle school, and that being just a part of who I am and and what I do. Um, and in that twenty years, it has gone from high school teaching to I opened an alternative ed high school with another teacher wow. um, lots of years ago. Um, and that was an awesome experience to working with middle school kids to working with elementary kids, to you know being a classroom teacher, being an administrator. Um, and just really kind of looking at all those pieces and how they fit into this awesome gig that we have that's, Mm -hmm. you know, helping people grow to become the best versions of themselves, no matter what age they are, no matter what they need. So, um, it's been pretty cool. I
0: love love people who get that experience. I've always felt very honored as well of having an experience where at one point I did teach kindergarten and I have so much respect for those teachers but I've also taught high school right and I think there's this thing when you when you're in education like there's a, a real opportunity when you like your story you've you've seen every grade level you, at some point you've been interacting with every grade level along the way and the development the child development at all those different ages is so unique and different and I find it very rare that you find it, it seems very rare to me that there are educators who get to see the whole experience. Yeah. And right? like you become a primary teacher and you're in primary teacher or you're a middle school teacher. And so you only ever see kids at that kind of that stage. But when you have those experiences where you get to, you know, you're, I love I, like when I was a tech coach. I would one day be in eleventh grade class, and the next day be in a second grade class. Yeah. And I remember going like, "Oh my gosh, look at this! Look at, you know, the the way that learning happens." Uh, and didn't you find
1: other. things in that second grade class that helped the eleventh grade class, yeah. and then like vice versa? For sure, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure, yeah. It's so great. It's so great. We'll talk a little bit about where you are now. So you're a principal of an elementary school.
1: I am, yeah. So I am a principal at Niedermeyer Elementary, um, which is in northern Monroe County, so just a little little further north than where I live, um, and it's a newly reopened elementary school. So the district, um, 12, 15 years ago, um, it was open and, you know, dwindling enrollment, budget cuts, things like that. The superintendent at the time made the very Courageous choice, really, to um, to close the building down and kind of regroup students, if you will. Um, the building got used in a couple of different ways after that, um, in terms of like an alternative ed um, and other programs for the district and things like that. So it wasn't completely, you know, shut down and and uh, abandoned, so to speak. Right, but yeah. it was used in different um, different ways. And so, just recently, um, our, our numbers have gone up, enrollments gone up. Um, And so the school was reopened um, and really has has been kind of an awesome experience to be a part of that process in a lot of different ways. So I get to work with um, little, little. So Mm -hmm. um, GSRP, I have GSRP and Head Start. So I have, you know, four-year-olds in my building um, all the way up to fourth graders. um, And we have uh, about 200 kids or so. Um, which has just been an awesome an awesome number of kids to work with, yeah, and just a really great um, environment for those kids
0: cool yeah that's cool so oh, go ahead, go ahead, Chris
2: Oh, I was just going to ask, so you talked about the fact that you opened a school prior to this or helped open a school prior to this, um, and I want to kind of dig into some specifics of the school that you're working in now, but what are what were some kind of common threads that? Um, were your thought processes back then to now, um sure, what were some of
1: the, sure, yeah. so the crazy part about this whole journey is that this is like the third school that I have been connected to
3: yeah.
1: at opening she says in air quotes, right, because yeah. <laughs> originally the very first one was um an alternative ed where we had a population of students that wasn't being serviced and or that weren't being serviced, and myself and another teacher got together and we said,' okay these kids need something. We see this building over here that you're using 25% of mm-hmm. what if we do this? And we thought we we're going to enroll 40 kids and about three days before school started, we had 110 wow. <laughs> so it was a man dash. Yeah. Um, and then um, at my previous district before the one I'm at now we did some reorganizing um, and kind of, you know, opened a school so to speak or reorganized and started fresh in this new kind of structure, if you will. Um, and the one I'm at now obviously uh there was an actual physical opening of the school as well but the thing that that has been the same at least for me in all of those instances is really uh, it's an awesome opportunity um to be able to sort of dream and imagine mm-hmm. right I think. We as, as educators or as people, you know, we, we can sometimes be really good at, oh, if we could only do this, it would be perfect. If we right. just did that, if we only had, you know, you know dreaming up all these things that, that, you know, are speed bumps in us flying straight through to the perfect environment. Yeah. And all three of these examples, we were able to sit down and sort of dream a little bit um and and look at things from the perspective of like okay why not what it, you know no holds barred money's no you know don't consider any of that shoot for the sky what would it be and we were able to toss a bunch of stuff up there and in some cases we we went for it and we did yeah. it in other cases yeah we had to work a little bit harder be a little bit more creative to reach those goals but i think that in every single one of those Instances, it really allowed us to kind of take away some of the excuses, you know, and just say, What if? What if we could do this? Why not? And let's find a way to do it. And I think that that does a couple different things. It allows you to create this wish list of things and really dream, but it also changes the mindset of the people that you work with, too. Because if you're really approaching things from the perspective of why not, then you start to ask that all the time and you start to ask like why can't i do graphing um or analysis of of voting with young fives yeah why not
2: i think that's so great because a lot of times educators probably other people in other professions but i don't know those um but we get (laughs) stuck we get stuck in this deficit mindset oh i'd Mm -hmm. love to do this but i can't because right so to kind of take those shackles off and say no we're going to let's shoot for the stars let's give this a shot and see what we can do um and if i were a teacher or an administrator or a coach in that environment man that that's that's powerful that mm-hmm. that do so much
1: it's feeling. it's yeah, really exciting this. it's yeah. really exciting it's also kind of terrifying sometimes too because <laughs> when you take all that away when you can't lean on the oh we can't do that because you yeah, take yeah, all that away, it's like, oh my gosh! Okay, yeah, when, when now you take, what? <laughs> when you take the yeah, excuses yeah.
0: away, then you actually have to do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that becomes <laughs> yeah, the problem. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah, I have a, a school district I'm working with. Last year, we had a group of teachers, and they the term we kept kept using, and it came from the superintendent, was "you're unleashed." Like uh-huh. these sixteen teachers were un, uh, unleashed. You were not held to any testing. You were not held to any curriculum. You weren't held to anything. And I've never seen sixteen of really good teachers. <laughs> so freaked out yeah because when you take away the you 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 can't complain about something now you can't say well but i got to prepare them for this or i got to do right. it that yeah. way or i got to do it this way when the superintendent stands in front of you he's like nope you're done your job is to show us which way to go yeah and cool can you kind of give can you maybe dig into a, an example or two of how this has changed or how what is a do you have like a concrete example of this like shooting for the moon and how that has impacted your or what that looks like in your school or in a classroom
1: yeah, I mean, there are a couple of things that come to mind in terms of like just some of the I, the physical setup of things sometimes too. You know, it, right, it's yeah. that, we think we think when people close their eyes and they think about what does school look like or what does a classroom look like. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of people flash right to that rows of desks yeah. facing the front. You know, that that quote unquote traditional setup Um, and things as simple as here's your space design it. What's your end goal? What do you want your kids to be able to say and do and think and feel and all of those things. Okay. So how do we set this environment up physically first to make sure that that can happen Um, and toss some of that stuff out, you know, alternative seating comes to mind and, you know, interactive boards and things like that where you know, you really put the the kids in a position to be able to kind of take charge of their learning too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot easier to have a group discussion when the seating is set up in a way where you're able to do that. You don't have to pick up a desk and turn it, move right. it and all that, you know, you can do that. Like, let's take that barrier away, right? Move what mm-hmm. you have, make it work. But if you get to dream up the space and you get to dream up the physical setup of things, um, with with your end goal in mind, awesome things happen, and you start to kind of think outside the box. For you know, a use yeah. of a the cliche there, but um, and then, like I said just a minute ago about you know young fives, one of the coolest things that I saw this year um, so far yeah. is this. I have a classroom full of young fives, right? So little little people, um, but right around election day, my young fives teacher had the kids took them through the entire voting process. Wow. So they lined up in the hallway, <laughs> and they checked awesome. in with the assistant to make sure they were registered voters. And then mm-hmm. they went into the room and there were you know, uh, folders set up, kind of like voting carols. And there was your ballot and you got to choose and then you had to put it in the box. And then afterwards they went through and they graphed all the data. And then I listened to these wonderful little people analyze data
3: tell me these kids can't do
1: it yes (laughs) they can and they told me why the cat was the best pet in their house (laughs)
3: house. Um, and
1: and they could not only tell me numbers and analyze that but also why they thought or why their classmates thought the way that they did and they voted and these five-year-olds
3: yeah Yeah.
1: so you know I, i just i think if we if we look at what's our end goal what do we want them to do we set up the space for success we ask the right questions and then we get out of the way amazing things happen it's the coolest
0: i love it so if a teacher and i'm just trying to just so other so we other administrators who are listening to this podcast kind of might be able to understand how this works at your school for example if i'm a teacher. And I want to do some alternative seating and I want to get some beanbags or I want to get some chairs that, uh, you know, are like they, they wobble a little bit and they're, or they want to get like the yoga balls. Um, Do I come to you as the principal and say, Hey, I've got an idea. I want to take these 15 desks out of my room and I want to get two standing desks, four beanbag chairs and do it. Does a teacher have, does a teacher come to you with a plan? Are you doing this as a, as a school? Is it individual teachers? Like just how does, how does, how's that? breaking down to sure. like the financial part into the classroom environment piece.
1: Yep. So there's a couple of pieces to that because some of the design work for the building and, and classrooms and seatings and or seating and things like that happened, um, you know, prior, obviously prior to the start of the school year. So there's lots of planning that went into that um, from the initial stages. And now that we're, that we're in it, right. Where we're the, the kids are in the classrooms right. and we're living in it and all of these, you know, Oh, I thought it was going to work great that we did yeah. it this way, but now I want to change a little bit. Um, I I will say so. Yes, they do. You know, come to me and say, "Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I want to do. How do we make this happen?" Um, the really cool part about my staff um, that I could I could brag about them for lots of hours because I have a really really great crew who who truly is in it for the kids and and will do whatever it is that needs to be done to make sure the kids have a great experience every single day. And so there's a lot of, um, you know, just chatter about what they're doing in the classrooms and I want to try this. And, and so what we end up seeing a lot of is ah, I want to, I want to try some standing desks and I got this kiddo that needs to, he needs to move.
3: Right, and so, yeah. well, here's yeah. what I'm thinking. <laughs>
1: what, you know, and then the next thing, you know, the teacher, you know, two doors down or across the hallway is saying, Oh, I got the perfect thing for you. Let me grab it. And it happens like that. I mean, it happens right now. We had a, um, a student at the beginning of the year who just really wanted his own office. Mm. <laughs> and so a special desk brought in for him. You know, there was one of our uh, restorative practices coordinators was like, I have the perfect desk. <laughs> he brings this desk in and sets it up complete with, with the, a printed out picture of a cat. Like, (laughs) like it was sitting on his desk, you know, displayed for everybody to see. Um, And it just is, it's this community approach to it. Right. And so if somebody in the building doesn't have what, you know, they think they need in order to reach this goal, let's, let's find a way to make that happen. Again, it's, it's removing those barriers, right? It's, it's taking away that, you know, is diving into the, why not? Like, let's find a way to make it happen. If you think it's going to make a difference for this kid? Then let's do it. Yes. Because what if it does? All right.
0: So here's my next question for you. And this is going to be, uh, uh, we'll see how this one goes. Um, <laughs> how do you find those teachers? Okay. Like as a principal whose job it is to hire teachers with the mindset that you are looking for, what are the questions that you ask? Or what is it that you're looking for in those teachers to have that, I don't know what you want to call it, passion, uh, outlook, uh, being able to, to view of education. What, what is it? How do you, how do you find those teachers for you? I
1: I think it's a lot. Like I just said with the kids, like you ask the right questions and then kind of get out of the way and see where it goes. But I think that, I think it's all about that mindset, right? So it's, it's asking the questions like no rules, no, you know it's that whole you're unleashed, right, like yeah. nothing's gonna stop you in a in a perfect world. What does your classroom look like, and then go
0: do you ask that in interviews?
1: uh-huh, yeah, yeah, and then what are yep. you
0: looking for in an answer
1: uh, something I haven't heard before okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you want some originality you want yeah. you want to see that that they've actually maybe thought about what my perfect classroom would look like,
1: yeah, I'm or yeah, and have some ideas you know beyond that. You know, I want kids to collaborate and see that aha moment. Like that's why we all got into education, right? Sure. To see that spark in those kids. But I think that just that you have a that you have a plan that's that's you know shooting towards that goal mm-hmm. of of these kids reaching their goals and learning things they've never learned before and considering mm-hmm. things in a way that they never have. I mean, we're preparing kids. It sounds so cliche to say, but we're preparing kids for a world we don't even know what it looks like yet. Yeah. Right. And so we really have to be imaginative thinkers and kind of outside the box and, and sky's the limit. What do you do?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are there other questions that you ask like that? Like, I like that. I'm just wondering if you have like, what are some like, like just off the top of your head, do you have some go-to questions? Because I think one of the hardest things that I find when I'm talking with principals is trying to get to those type of questions where you can ask it, get out of the way and see what those answers are. Because really what we're, what really what you're looking for is you're looking for a mind mindset. Mm -hmm. You want a teacher with a growth mindset, a teacher who's willing to be part of a community. I mean, truly be part of a community. Um, And so just any questions like that, that I think would be really helpful of things that, that kind of questions you ask along the way for, and during interviews or.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think one of the coolest things is when you ask, you know, you ask a question about what was your most successful lesson or most successful collaboration, Mm. you can see on their face, it changes. Right. Because all of a sudden they're going to something that they know, something that was really successful and you see what their thinking is and the connections they make and who they reach out to and how they problem solve. Um, so I think it, it, it's always good to focus on that. I think another question that I like to kind of go to yeah. um, is, you know, tell me about your most challenging student, or, or, you know, the, the challenge that you overcame that you were proudest of, um, because you get to see how, how we problem solve, how we, you know, maybe approach things in a different way, in a non-traditional way, in a, you know, I was up against this barrier, and I didn't just stop there, I tried this way, this way, this way, and here's what came of that. Mm-hmm. um so i think you know I, I i like those a lot because then you get you know a concrete example of something that they have lived um and you also get kind of a glimpse into a little bit of uh, how the brain works
3: yeah
2: cool that's really cool so i just i love how you're you're talking about breaking down the bar- the barriers this whole time right whether it's from starting from the the physical layout of classes and what it looks like and and the kids feel that they feel it, it's a different feel than that quote-unquote traditional classroom um and kids buy in teachers buy in and it just creates this culture right i mean i'm sure you can talk about that This the the culture of we're gonna we're gonna try this thing out and we're gonna learn together and we're gonna grow together and there it's gonna be ugly at times but <laughs> uh, you know and that that's that's the reality of Of this type of education it's really exciting Um, what type of uh, what type of technology do you do you have devices in kids hands
1: so we do have devices in kids hands we're not one-to-one with this particular age group I think some of the coolest ways that I've seen our kids utilizing technology I mean we have Chromebooks and they they use those in a lot of different ways and and um, you know like I mentioned before we have uh, interactive video boards that the really neat part is You know, I think people go to, yeah, teachers are using those. um, And most of the time when I come into the classroom, the kids are using them in a way to not only showcase their learning, but then explain it to their classmates too. And it's the coolest thing to watch Mm -hmm. them utilize the technology available to, to all of us really, but (laughs) they just go. And it's really neat because again, you get to see, that learning take place and then the excitement and the empowerment of them explaining it to their classmates and it kind of has this awesome domino effect throughout the classroom. So, um, that's been really neat.
0: Well, and I, find, I just, you have, you know, you work with a, with, uh, with, you know, little people, um, <laughs> the young ones, are you seeing how is there, is there talk with teachers or are you even seeing this within your school of how technology is impacting, the way that we have to restructure classrooms and restructure schools because of uh, the new skill set that kids are coming with. Uh, for example, here, you know, I was talking to some kindergarten teachers the other day, and they're starting to wrestle with having kids learn to write their ABCs before type because so many kids are coming to school either on a phone or on an iPad or something like that, knowing where the letters are on a keyboard, but not knowing how to draw the letter. And I, and I still want kids to know how to draw letters. I'm not saying that, but the kids are coming with an experience that they didn't come to school with literally five or seven years ago. Right. And so how are just, are, what are those conversations you have? Like, are there other unique needs for, for, for this specific generation right now that you're seeing in your school that you guys are kind of playing with, wrestling with, or things that have just come out from teachers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're noticing we're noticing that as well. I mean, your specific letter example is great because it really is. You know, you you hand a kid a device, especially a phone or a tablet. I, you know, it's the thumb, right? right. The kids are doing everything (laughs) with thumbs. And the funny part about that is, you know, that that obviously that's a learned skill. Well, one of our um, math interventionists in our building started a typing club. Yeah. Because she was proctoring one of our assessments, and she, the kids were struggling with the keyboard even because they're so used to doing everything on you know a Small phone devices, with their thumbs. Right?
3: Yeah.
1: Um. So so there's kind of that skill transfer, and then again with the you know physically writing sentences, and I mean physically writing their name. Yeah. you know, yeah. having to, they can identify the letter, they can identify the letter sound, but the actual, the the physical writing of the letter A, you know, we need to, we need to continue to work on that. So yeah, we're, we are noticing um, things like that. Mm. Um, and, and just, we're just trying to be really creative with how we do that, you know, and sometimes utilizing, you know, pen and paper to address that need and sometimes <laughs> yeah. util, utilizing the technology that's there and, you know, tracing things on the board and, yeah. um, you know, different things like that. So it's really interesting. It is interesting to, to look at this, you know, generation, if you will, that's coming in with with skills that, you know, most of us as not digital natives right,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> learned as the, as the years went by and they're coming in with those. It's kind of an interesting shift um, in that the stuff that we sort of you know, take for granted or took yeah. for granted because that's what we grew up with is now yeah. the stuff that we need to teach.
0: Yeah. I, I had a first grade teacher I was talking to uh, last week and she actually up on her bulletin on her wall, she has, you know, the ABCs like you would normally have them. But then at the end of the ABCs, she also has a big poster that is the ABCs of the keyboard. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even in first grade, she is getting kids to compare and contrast. Yeah. Right. she's yeah. like, some days we pay scavenger hunt
3: on yeah. the keyboard yeah.
0: because it's not this is not an ABC order. Like you don't say A S D F G H J like, you know. And so she's 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 really starting, she's thinking about this. She's like, this is the keyboard, because even on your thumbs, this is the crazy yeah. part, even on your in your, it's it's this is Corey keyboard, right? Yep. And so she's trying to figure out like how do she help and support a generation that for better or for worse is going to need to know this alphabet. As much as they know the ABC mm. alphabet, right. in fact, I would almost argue learning your alphabet on a keyboard is way more. Yep. I, more I don't a know transferable I can say this. skill, maybe yeah. more important. <laughs> because the reason why we had to learn it ABCDEFG A—that's the number that it is. But when you had to look up something in an encyclopedia or a dictionary, you needed to know alphabetical order. Mm. Yeah. Nobody's looking things up in an encyclopedia. Yeah. We don't yeah. even buy encyclopedias. I can't find a right. They're still buying encyclopedias or buying dictionaries. <laughs> right. So being able to know, I mean, I, I want them to know, but I would almost be focusing more on where, where is this alphabet and yeah. how does this alphabet impact my learning? I don't know. I can't believe I just said it out loud, but I Best put the up on the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have one of those moments where you're like, are we, where's our focus for a generation, what they're going right. to need for the future? I don't know.
2: Yeah. Interesting.
0: I don't know. I just blew my own mind. I had not yeah. heard about that before. <laughs> I
2: know. Moment of silence I here. I know. Um, right? <laughs> yeah. So, Angel, you talked about um, you talked about the group of kids that did the uh, the voting thing, which is super cool. Five year olds, you said.
1: Yeah.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Um, which is which is in a it's a form of project based learning. And I know from some past conversations we've had, you're kind of passionate about the project based learning thing. Is is that a thing that's happening at your school a lot are our, our, our kids are teachers offering kids the opportunity to um, do some more authentic learning type things um, yeah
1: I we certainly are I think the the interesting part of the school that I'm in right now is obviously we just opened um, in September so there are a lot of a um, lot of things that we had to sort of establish our procedures and routines sure, yeah. and things like as that. A
3: school, so like, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like we're just starting to really have those good, deep conversations about what is it, what is it that we want kids to learn and then how can we get like? them to yeah. that? Um, and, and so we've really approached our fourth grade class has really been, we've, we've really kind of leaned on them as the leaders in our school. Um, and, and I believe really passionately in giving the students a voice, an active, you know, participating role in the development of the school, especially right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're starting to have those conversations with our fourth graders, you know, here's a, here's a problem that we have, you know, our, our we just had the lawn hydro seeded when we go out and it rains here in Michigan, there's mud all over the place. Yeah. How do we cut down yeah. on the mud in our school? What do we do? Um, and really put them in a position to just identify some of the simple things, you know, well, if we walked from the sidewalk to the blacktop, to the wood chips, then we'd avoid the mud. (laughs) How do we get everybody to do that? Yeah. Yeah. And they're making posters that say sidewalk, blacktop, wood chips, um, (laughs) like just things, things like that, um, that just authentic problems, if you will, or situations that they can solve that are right there in their school building that impact not only them but the other kids. You know, like I said, we really talk to them about being leaders. Um and so it's really fun to go to them with something that our Head Start classes are trying to figure out how do they, you know, on days where they can't go outside, what do they do for recess? Okay, fourth graders, what could we have them do? Yeah. Well, they could go to the gym. Oh, but that's kind of during lunchtime. So maybe they can't because somebody's already in there. What do we do? Um, So really giving them those authentic problems and saying, how do we make this happen? And the coolest things happen because they come up with ideas that maybe we didn't. But then they also, like the voting example, they also surprise us because they interact with each other in ways that most people would think, oh, they're in fourth grade. They don't know how to do that. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They do yeah. like, let's set up the environment for them to be able to do it and let them fly. And then, you know, coach them along the way because they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're kids yeah. and humans and, you know, we're going to have, you know, missteps or, you know, mistakes yeah. or whatever. But that's, that's such a vital part of the learning process too. So, um, so that's kind of <laughs> where we've started so far um, at Niedermeyer is just with the, you know. Yeah what's an authentic problem we're facing right. and how we fix it.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and a couple things really struck me when you were talking about that, giving the, the kids ownership, that's so powerful, yeah. right? Um, setting the environment up for them to be able to take that ownership and do that. Um, I love the fact that you guys, when you were, kind of thinking okay how do we want this to look you actually you did that ask yourself that question what does learning look like what is it going to be like here at the school i think a lot of and it's great the fact that you're you reopened a school to be able to do that but i think a lot of schools especially as they're moving into a one-to-one model or something like that could ask themselves this question what does learning look like and i think a lot of them don't go through that process and it kind of hampers them a little bit
1: yeah. Not yeah. only what does it look like, but what could it look like? Because yeah. I think sometimes yeah, I like we lock ourselves into what does it look like? And then again, we flash back to yeah, what it great. looked like when we were in school mm-hmm. and that's just not the way it has to be now yeah, cool. is it the way that it is sometimes. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way. So like words matter, right? So what could it be? What do you want it to be? Love and it. then yeah again, no holds barred. Like yeah. tell me what you want it to be. Okay. Let's and,
0: find and, it. and if it I, isn't I, that I way, cool. yeah. If it isn't that way, what do, we, what can we do and support you to yeah. make it that way?
1: Exactly. Like right. what
0: support can I offer you? Can we offer you as a community so that yep. learning looks the way it needs to look for your kids?
1: Yeah. And sometimes that's as simple as, um, we just did this exercise a couple of weeks ago. We stood up in front of the staff at our staff meeting really quickly at the end, like planted a seed and then went, "Whoop, we gotta go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it was just, I want you to think about this and don't answer me now, but answer me, you know, before lunch, what's one thing that I can do for you today that's going to make today easier for you to, you know, teach kids. You know, you want to reach these goals and meet these goals with these kids. What's one thing that I can do? Like if I need to come in and cover for 30 minutes so that you can talk to your colleague that you don't have common planning with because you guys want to do this really cool thing, done. Yeah. If you need... 67 cotton balls because you need to do the science experiment. You don't have them right now. I'll be right back. I'm going to the store. Yeah, I'll run, to, I'll run to yeah. the
0: Safeway for awesome. you. Yeah.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And cool. so sometimes it's just, it's, it is about removing those barriers. Like what's that one thing that's going to unlock it for you? Yeah. I'm here to do that.
0: Yeah, cool. servant leadership at its at its height. I love it. Um, you talked a little bit about, and I just love that you just mentioned it once, but I, I can't get it off my mind. You were talking about, you know, we're preparing the generation for a future that we don't know. In your school, what or for you as a principal that is leading this school to prepare that generation for a future that we really don't have a lot of answers to on what it's going to look like. I mean, I think more of it's coming into clarity, but there's still a lot of unknowns out there. What is, what's, what's kind of your focus, or what are you looking at, or what are those skills that you feel like you want your students to have by the time they leave your elementary school?
1: So I, ultimately problem solving, right? Like I think we just need to look at, at every situation as a problem and unfortunately problem sometimes has negative connotations but it, right. it you know like how do we attack that right you know don't tell me why you can't tell me why you can let's figure this out everything can be figured out it might not be just with me i might need some friends to help me figure it out right. or i might just need to talk to my secretary about it and she's going to say Oh, just call this person and this person and then boom, we're done. Problem solved, you know? And so it's so, I think it's critical for our kids to have those kind of collaboration skills, those conversation skills at the very least to be able to really talk through that, um, to wonder about things. Mm -hmm. Like we live in a world where we can figure just about anything out in mere seconds. Right. And so I think, I think we need to foster and facilitate that wonder and also encourage like, Hey, what do you wonder about that? Sometimes we have to ask that question, right? Because they just don't, they just don't wonder.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And I think we're dealing, I think we're dealing with a generation that wonderment is at a whole different level than it was when I was in third or fourth grade. When I was in third and fourth grade, I wondered about something. I needed to know my ABCs and get an encyclopedia to maybe learn two paragraphs. Where this generation, I love this, Patrick Green uh, and I were consulting together. He's a good friend of mine, another consultant. And the other day, we were talking with a bunch of teachers and all of a sudden, he's just like, "He's, we have to understand that we live in a world where facts are all around us in the air. Like we all, most of us, not everybody, but you live in a world where you literally can pick up your phone or at my house, I just get to say, hey, (laughs) Echo, (laughs) what about X, Y, and Z? And the facts are literally here.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: your wonderment can be at a level above the fact. Because the fact's the easy part now. Like I don't need yeah. to wonder why or how or how many legs does a spider have. That fact I can find. My wonderment be, might be why did these ones live in the ground and why did those ones build webs? Right? Right. And that's a wonderment that's that's higher yeah. than just something you can ask in the air. And I think that to me is – is I love your idea of like if all of my kids could, could leave our elementary school being – critical problem solvers mm-hmm. knowing that when they run up against a problem, there is some way around that problem. And you might have to ask others and there's no shame in asking others to support you. There's no shame in giving it a go. And it's not might not work the first time you ask somebody else. Yeah. Like that, that just whole mindset is a mindset that to your point, I think, you no matter what the future holds, you'll be okay. Like if you have that type of mindset, you will find a way to survive. You will find a way to make a living, you, whatever, whatever the future holds, right. you will find a way to be a successful person, you know?
1: Right. Well, I think we have to model, I mean, we, we definitely have to model those skills for the kids. Right. right. And so we, yeah. as the, you know, adults in the building are, trying to solve problems. And, and in a lot of cases, and I've really focused on this a lot in the last probably month and a half to two months is doing a lot of thinking out loud um, and doing a lot of thinking out loud around kids too. Yes. So it's, you know, Oh, here we are trying to figure out this problem. I wonder what we could do. And it sounds a little, you know, hokey at first, (laughs) but they need to see and hear like, this is how we attack these problems. This is how we, This is how we collaborate with somebody else. I wonder if I tried this, how's it gonna work? Oh, and somebody says, nope, it's not gonna work because X, Y, and Z, you know, whatever. But just modeling that process for the kids, too, where it's not necessarily, I have a question, I look it up, I write the answer down. Write down the answer down, yeah. You know, and then check, moving on, you know, compliance done. Um, But, you know, it's the what's next, and, and they, we have to coach them through that process. Yeah. So that's been a really cool focus in the last little bit.
0: And I think if we, if we get back to kind of a, a technology slant, which is, you know, a lot of what some of what these podcasts are about, I think that, right. That, that mindset as well for teachers is that I know, I I know teachers who won't try to do something with technology in front of their kids because they're afraid it won't work. Yeah. Yep. And I cry, you know, well, that's why you should do it. You should be able to go in front of your class and say, I don't know if this is going to work, Yeah, yeah. But we're going to give yeah. this a go. And you're going to watch me persevere through this really yes. horrible thing of the internet going down in the middle of my lesson right. or whatever it happens to be. <laughs> yes. right? Like you're going to see me persevere through that. But all too often, I feel like sometimes we as educators can shy away from doing that because, you know, Hey, we want it to go well, but we, we, we want them to, or we want to seem like we know it all. I don't know what it is. Like, I just want, <laughs> yeah. to, do you know what I'm saying? Like there's this, like not willing to, to, to dream big like that. Right. To, to right. Say, this is the way it should be. And I'm just going to teach this way and we're going to give it a go.
1: Well, and I think, I think that kind of leans back on the, you know, when we think about the, the traditional idea of teachers is they had all the information, right. And yeah. we had to go in and sit down and learn it and write it down, be able to remember it and give it back on a test and check, check, there we go. Right. So the teacher had every piece of knowledge that we needed and all we had to do was just be there for it. And then, you know, off we go. And I think um, that it, I, I don't know that that's the most functional way for education, right? We should be, giving them the skills and kind of facilitating that learning and showing them the process because there's no way, there's no way we know it all as teachers, right? There's no way. You just said the facts are everywhere. They're in the air, they're floating around. Like that's a lot of stuff to have to know,
3: right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, right.
1: To be able to (laughs) show the kids, okay, when I have this question, here's how I figure out, you know, the answer or an answer, not necessarily the answer, right? right? So like, here's how I navigate that process. And I love what you just said about, um, you know, kind of persevering through that stress in front of the class because that, it, that's critical. You yeah, know, sure. we stand up there and we, you know, we panic and we shut down sure. and yeah. it's over, right? <laughs> and so yeah. we have to, you know, help the kids see, oh, okay, I can figure this out. I can get through this. And the really cool thing that happens that I've seen happen, not only with colleagues, but with students as well is when something like that happens when something freezes or the teacher's not sure where to go or, or whatever, there's somebody right there with, Oh, try this. Oh, yeah. try this. Exactly. And the, the learning that comes from that process is so cool because then mm-hmm. the person who has the suggestion is empowered to pass that on and teach somebody else. And then, you know, the person that's receiving the suggestion now knows something new and can utilize it in a different way. And, um, it's been really cool to see that happen too. not only, like I said, from, you know, students kind of supporting the teachers as, sure, right. as yeah. the students are yeah, right. digital natives, but then also like teachers supporting other teachers. You know, this is this is how I get that information. Try doing it this way. Um, so it's 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 cool for the kids to see that, too. You
0: yeah. mentioned a little bit that because you're reopening this school, you've had to spend a lot of this year on kind of building the school culture. Which I want, what What does that look like for you as a leader of a school? What is that culture? Uh, is it, is it, um, uh, stuff in the hallways? Is it things you're doing at assemblies? Like, how are you, what, what is kind of the focus on that cult, like school culture stuff that you're trying to bring in for kids as you kind of focus on that reopening this
3: elementary
1: school? Right. Um, so it's all of those things. I really, um, this, the end of last school year, um, as we we're wrapping up, I, Brought all of my teachers a summer gift, um, and it was a little a, a bucket of stuff for lack of a better way to describe <laughs> it. But, um, we did uh, the power of a positive team by Gordon, um, so everybody got a copy of the book, um, some sunglasses, <laughs> some snacks. <laughs> some, you know, everybody has all these long reading lists over the summer that we want to do and then right. you know um, and then summer gets the best of us so I wanted to give everybody you know all of the tools in order to tackle that um, and we have focused a lot on bits and pieces from that book um, but one of the things that rings true to me the most just over and over and over again is that culture is what you do every minute of every single day mm. um, and really what I have tried to do is just be in it like we are all. We're all in this and I, you know, I'm know, i in a unique situation where my school um, staff is made up of teachers coming from our three other district elementaries yeah. and then also um, the middle school as well. And so we have folks coming in from a minimum of four different buildings, unless you include those of us that came from outside the school right. district and then well. it gets even larger, right? Mm um and so everybody kind of has their way of doing things right and so what we've really focused on is you know what's what's the Niedermeyer way of doing things mm. um you know how are how are we going to attack this and in some cases it's just happened organically
3: sure.
1: um and in some cases we were very deliberate about you know how how are we going to do this what are we going to focus on um you know this procedure this approach to things yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's been kind of cool to watch happen. And sometimes it, like I said, sometimes it happens organically and it's kind of, you know, easy for lack of a better way to describe it. And sometimes it's like, we've done this six different ways. What's the way we want to do it? Cause we got to right. get it.
0: Done. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It reminds me, I had, um, one of the schools I worked with, um, had a new superintendent come in. And I'll, I, to your point, like I, I won't forget, like I was a teacher tech coach, I think at the school, I was a tech coach at the school at the time and teacher at the eighth grade technology. But I'll never forget, he walked in and he was trying to establish a culture of innovation. And in a culture of innovation, you must be willing to fail, right? Like you've got to be willing to try it, give it a shot and see what happens. So at the beginning of the school year, every teacher got a blue piece of paper that we stuck on, you stuck on your bulletin board. And all it said was, on it, all, every piece of paper said, I failed today, you owe me a beer. Now we <laughs> work in Shanghai. So we worked in Shanghai. Rules a, <laughs> a little bit different than here in the US. <laughs> but you could, and the goal was, by the end of the year, you had to bring the piece of paper down to the superintendent and say, I'm ready for me to turn this in. And you would go and have a beer with him. Yeah. <laughs> you would go with, out with the superintendent, you'd talk about what you tried, how it worked. And it was such a great way to just inspire innovation from everybody. And yeah. at the end of it, you get a one-on-one with the superintendent. And of course, he's asking you other questions about the culture of the school and what do you need? And can I run out and get you the cotton balls? Or if you'd have had two packs of cotton balls, would that have been better Would <laughs> right. know, right. the project have worked? And so he was getting all this feedback. But as a teacher, I was instantly put into a process of like, oh, he really means it. Like he's really meaning that he wants yeah. me to go out and try some to the point where he's going to take me out for a drink. Right. You know? <laughs> and, and it That's was cool. just, I'll never forget that because as a staff, you were instantly into this, like he's in it with us. And he understands that if you're going to try something new, it's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be walking in and doing his evaluation and then, you know, judging you because you were trying this crazy new thing that you saw or heard, or you were adjusting for your kiddos. And I've always remembered that as like, if I was ever a principal in my school, I was going to do the exact same yeah. thing and be just like, here you go. Here's your get out of free jail card, but yeah. you've got to use it. You've got to use it. You've got to show yeah. me how you tried something new, innovative, crazy that, that failed. And by fail, we define fail as first attempt in learning. Right. Yep. So it was just this, it was, I just, I think about that when you talk about you trying to remove barriers for your teachers, mm-hmm. it always brings back what this superintendent did for us. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's great.
1: Well, and I think it goes back to that modeling piece. Like, you have to be willing to do that too. And uh, just recently, all of the elementary principals uh, two weeks ago went to our state conference, which, of course, I, <laughs> I sent a message to my teachers and I said, I'm going to apologize now. I have conference brain. I'm going to be rifling a bunch of questions at you. Yeah. I've got a ton of ideas. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but, and that's very much what happened and I yeah. came back. And so I, you know, one of my goals is to kind of tackle some uh like video announcements or video newsletters, meet mm-hmm. people where they're at, right? right. You know, yeah. we send out right. that we send out that weekly newsletter and you know you can look at the analytics and sometimes people read it, sometimes yeah.
3: people open <laughs> it,
1: sometimes they don't. And so, you know, how do we in order to to build that community and that culture that includes everything that happens in the building, but also the community around it. Like yeah. how do we need people right where they are so that they know our story, so that they know what we're doing? Because in the absence of that story, they flash back to what they did. And in some cases what we did, you know, 20, 25 years ago in school is great and solid we should still be doing it. In some cases it's not. And yeah. so like we need them to know. So I'm right now I'm modeling video announcements and things like that and they're awkward and clunky
0: yeah of course <laughs> and i'm sure they love that, every single one of them
1: yeah
2: absolutely and, <laughs> they do. and, and that's mean, so powerful yeah and and that's so powerful as a, as a teacher and as as the students in there to see my principal out there like trying and being awkward and uncomfortable and, but yeah i absolutely. embrace they the like awkward it. it's great yeah yeah,
3: yeah. yeah.
0: that's great well, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I don't want to keep you too late because I know uh, it's a little bit later than 5.30 p.m. where you're at in New Michigan. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, so, um, but appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, chat with Chris yeah. and I tonight on just uh, the culture of your school, the way that you're um, you're looking at the things you want your students to, to leave your elementary school with. So I really appreciate taking time uh, to chat with us this evening. Yeah.
1: I appreciate it so much. Thanks for letting me learn from you guys.